Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You see, we all have different things that we can think about. And Jesus just keeps saying over and over and over again, don't worry. Now, he gives us the crux of the whole passage with the little words I ask you to underline and circle. The whole principle of worry comes down to one thing. He says it here in the last part of verse 30. He says this, Oh, you of a little faith. Living a life of worry, anxiety, or fear can quickly wear us out and drag us down. As Pastor Mark points out to us, the more we worry about the future, the less we're living for today. Continuing our study in the Gospel of Matthew, Pastor Mark illustrates to us how our worrying is directly tied to our lack of faith. Whether it's the food on tomorrow's plate or our next call to ministry, worrying can only get us so far. Today, you'll learn that the more you put your faith and trust in our loving, caring Father, your life will have less room for anxiety and worry. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues his message entitled, Keep the Main Thing the Main Thing. you know when there's a woodpecker around your house? They're on the metal, aren't they? You wonder, what? And there's a, you know, Alzheimer bird up there? Whatever. No, there's ants on your house. That's all. He wakes you up in the morning. The reason there's a burr is because that's the way he bangs the ants to come out. And when they come out, goodbye. So who put that instinct into the woodpecker? God. So God says, well, I take care of the birds. You know, other birds that eat fish and whatever, you, you see them, they dive in our waters. If you've ever been out to San Francisco or whatever, it's really cool to go out there on the, on the docks where they have the sourdough bread. And those seagulls, they don't work too hard for food anymore. They know that all those tourists that are going to have those sandwiches and whatever, there's a fry, phew, right there comes the fry. You know, they don't even go in the water anymore. They just stay on land all the time. Because they found a different way to feed them. But God normally uses what? nature. So you see this animal, and what Jesus says, notice with this animal, he says, uh, I'm feeding and taking care of this bird. Now, how does God feed us? Well, we go out and we bang our heads, and we work. That's how we feed ourselves. That's how we feed our families. The Bible says a man is to provide a woman is to provide, but together we provide for our families. Let me ask you, what if a family can't be provided for? How does God feed them? Well, you have a perfect example. 
how many thousands of families tonight in the southern areas may have no way to be fed? How does God feed them? Through you, through me, and through all kinds of loving people throughout the world. Good job. I already told you, you gave 50 grand. That went toward food, and there's water, and there's people. So you say, well, God doesn't take care of them. Oh, yes, he does. He uses you, and he uses me, and it's a blessing to do it. Now, when you see this, can you imagine Woody Woodpecker? You know, he gets up in the morning and he's having some coffee with the missus and, in the, and he says to the Mrs. Woody Woodpecker, he says, I'm so worried there's not going to be any ants today. You know, have you ever seen a bird go through a yard with a wing like this? If you do, go out and help the poor guy because, no, you don't see a bird with a wing up. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do today. There's no ants. There's no worms. It's a drought. I don't think I've ever seen a bird worry. God takes care of them. Notice he says he doesn't only take care of them, but he uses a contrast. He says, aren't you, as a human, more important than a bird? Now, a bird, in fact, God says he sees the sparrows fall. So they're not unimportant to him, but no bird, no animal was created in the image of God. No animal tonight has a soul. No animal has the promise of heaven. It won't happen. When an animal dies, they die. Certainly we're going to have animals in heaven, but not the same ones you have here. When they die, they die. So what Jesus is saying is, I take care of animals who have no chance of going to heaven. They weren't created to do that. Will I not certainly take care of the necessities of man who is created in my image, and will be with me forever. Verse 27 gives us point number four. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Fact number four. This is a huge one. I've worked on it a little bit this week. You know, I worried over this sermon quite a bit at the... uh, So that what you and I worried about this week, well, it didn't solve anything, and it didn't accomplish anything. Now this this passage, it's easier understood in the NIV, but in the original language, it actually has, has a double meaning. It talks about, Jesus is really saying, well, if I worry, can I add extra days to my life? And what is the answer to that? Absolutely not. Well, the other issue is, if I worry, can I add inches to my height? Don't look at me like that. No, you can't. So, I mean, we're like stupid to worry, aren't we? It's impossible. So the answer, obviously, to both is no. Actually, worry, instead of lengthening life, it shortens it. Here's a a name of somebody I'm sure you are aware of. Dr. Charles Mayo. He says this. He's the one that formed the Mayo Clinic. Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system profoundly affects the health. I've never known anyone who died of overwork, but I know many who died of worry. You can worry yourself to death, but you'll never worry yourself 
into long life. One day a husband and wife were sleeping and in the middle of the night the wife awakened the husband and said, somebody is downstairs in the kitchen. So the husband got up, went down and he found a man with a mask who indeed was in the kitchen stealing things from the home. The husband said, sir, are you a burglar? (laughs) Must have been asleep. The man said, yes, I am. He said, would you do me a favor? I want you to come upstairs because I want to introduce you to my wife. She's been expecting you for 30 years. (laughs) Well, it happened. Maybe your wife will wake you up just for a joke tonight at home. Look at verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? By the way, this passage is for women. Well, a lot of them are gone, so I can say, call my wife's here. I'll pay for that during the middle of the night myself. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. Now, do you think there might have been some lilies around during the Sermon on the Mount? Yes. They do not labor or spin. And I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you, of little faith? Circle that part and we'll be back to a moment. Oh, you, of little faith. What Jesus says is, if he can make a flower that looks just absolutely incredible, and it it doesn't even compare to Solomon. Now, for us, that's a hard comparison because most of us don't even understand the Solomon part or whatever. But Solomon was the richest man in all the world, the wisest man in all the world. And his, his clothes must have been absolutely incredible. Gold everywhere and just exquisite. Well, Jesus says, look at... Look at this lily. It's way better. Why? Because when you see a flower, that's what you see. It's all flower. It's all beautiful inside. It works from the inside out. It's incredible. Solomon, beautiful, incredible clothes until nighttime. When he takes off his clothes before he puts on any kind of a nightgown or whatever he puts on, what is he? He's like every other man. Like every other woman, just start naked. Now, that's beauty in itself, but nothing like we put all the clothes on because it's, you know, the makeup and all the... That's why this section is for women, all that stuff. You know, Peter says the same thing. Nothing wrong with makeup. It's good. Thank God we don't live in those days when it was a sin or something because that was pretty... Well, I won't even go there. (laughs) You know, if the house needs painting, we talked about it. Just paint the sucker. That's good. And what God's saying is, it's better really though to have it from the inside out. Because the beauty at night is the one that wakes you up to go down to get the robber. I won't go there. All right. What is he saying? Just exactly that. Flowers are incredibly dressed. They're made beautiful. They only last a day or two. But then they're gone. 
So, let me stop and ask you a question tonight. What am I worrying about right now? Just stop for a moment and fill in a blank. What am I worrying about right now? Can you write it down in your notes? Say, well, I wasn't worrying about it. Now that you brought it up, I am worrying about something. Here it is. What are you worrying about right now? Put it down. Some of you are perfectionists, kind of like me. You know what a perfectionist worries about? Being perfect. Will a perfectionist ever be perfect? No. So we drive ourselves absolutely crazy. Now, we should be good and we should be excellent, but we'll never be perfect. Some of you, well, you're more in the, uh, what shall I say, keeping up with the Joneses. We don't hear that too much anymore, but that's kind of your deal. Well, can you? No. Some of you tonight are trying to be God. You worry that God won't direct you to the place you want to go and do the things you want to do and won't provide for you the way you want him to provide for you. But you're not God. You should be worrying. You see, we all have different things that we can think about. And Jesus just keeps saying over and over and over again, don't worry. Now, he gives us the crux of the whole passage with the little words I ask you to underline and circle. The whole principle of worry comes down to one thing. He says it here in the last part of verse 30. He says this, Oh, you of a little faith. All right, tonight we're going to do something. You're going to put your name in here. Oh, Mark of a little faith. On the count of three, you put, don't put Mark in there. I'll, <laughs> you put your own name in. Here we go at the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, Mark of a little faith. By the way, does that fit? Yes, it does. For most of us, our faith is too little. And Jesus says, well, he gives us number five. He may not have written it like this, but this is what it says. Number five, fact number five, worry is a sin caused by lack of faith. That's the, that's the crux. It is a sin. Now you can justify and you can, what am I going to do with it? Jesus says, don't steal. Don't swear. Don't commit adultery. We got those. No problem. That's a sin. Don't worry. Uh, no, it's a sin. And what's it caused by? It's caused by a lack of faith. We simply don't trust that God can and will take care of us. The whole issue, Beth Moore says it like this. She has a whole series. But she says it like this, which you're going to see on the overhead. We believe in God, but we don't believe God. Pastor Mark, I, I know God created the animals, and I know he feeds them, and I know he created the flowers, and they're incredible. Well, let's extend that. Jesus says then, since I've done both of those, and they're less than you, I promise I'll take care of you in every aspect of life. Uh, but, no, I believe in God, but I don't believe God. I just don't believe him. So I wrote it like this. You might want to write it in your notes. Little faith, the end result is lots of worry. Lots of faith, the end result is little worry. 
You see, if I'm a Christian tonight, I have to believe in God's goodness and stop worrying. If I'm a Christian tonight, I have to believe God works all things together for good. No, I don't understand how that works, but I have to believe it and stop worrying. If I'm a Christian tonight, I believe that God can supply all my needs. He says he will. I need to believe it and stop worrying. You know, if I'm a Christian tonight, I have to believe that God is for me, not against me. I have to believe it and stop worrying. If I'm a Christian tonight, I have to absolutely believe that whatever temptation comes into my life, it isn't going to be too strong. I won't have to give in. I won't fail because God promises he won't allow that to happen in my life. You see, this is another one of those teachings that's not at all about theory. It's big time in the practice. Actually, when Jesus says, do not worry, in the original language, it means quit worrying now because the disciples were worrying. And you and I know exactly what that means. Jesus says, cut it out. Verse 31. Here we go again, like we need to have it repeated. Well, we do. So do not worry. Saying what we shall eat, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. Now, verse 32 is an interesting verse. Let me stop. Look at me before you read it. Look at it. Remember the whole sermon on the mount. One of the big premises is, if I'm a Christian, I'm to be different than a non-believer. I'm to be different than a non-believer. There should be a difference in me, the way I live, the way I look at life, the way I respond to things, than a non-believer. should be different. Now, let's look at verse 32. For the pagans, that just means the unbelievers. For the unbelievers, they, interesting word you want to circle it, they run after all these things. It drives them. It's the focus. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. The New Living Translation says, why be like these unbelievers who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So Jesus says, whoa, 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 you're to be different. Don't run after these things. Now that's hard for us because the world squeezes us with advertising into its mold. I got to have this, got to have that, got to have that. Now, you know, tonight, it'll be interesting to see for me, because I've been all over the world and most of the world drives cars, well, most of the world drives cars that you have to have like a, 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 You just have to have a little winch to get into the car and sit down. If you go in India and whatever, you're in these little, little tut-tuts. If you go in most of Europe, most of Europe's in these little, you you see these things, you say, is that a car? And there's 12 people in that sucker. It's amazing. (laughs) But you know why? Because their gas for the last 15, 20 years has been five bucks a gallon. It's very interesting to me to see what the marketing will do now in our country. For those cars that are huge like we all have now and with gas if you already started if you watched it i've been watching it you look at all the new car ads now not to buy one just look at them and before you used to say 28 cylinder 5,000 square feet <laughs> big tires seats 12 whatever now what does it say gets 32 miles per gallon why? Hmm. Because that's going to make you go, I've got to trade this thing in and get one of these. 
That's the world. So Jesus said, you can't run after this stuff. Don't make the focus food and water and homes and cars and electronics and education. Jesus says, no, you got to be different. Now, we want all that. He gives us all that. But it can't be something that we run after. And then we come to the crux of the teaching. Verse 33 is one of the most important verses in all the Bible. And we're going to kind of take it apart. Look at verse 33. But seek, but, in other words, here's how to be different. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Fact number six. This is the only thing you need to write down on this screen. It'll be a whole full of screen of stuff. I want to go through them, but the only one you have to write is the first one. The rest we don't write. Making God your priority and passion, Jesus says, that just eliminates worry. Now, he gave us these words, and I'll go through them. You don't need to write them. Just think about them. Jesus says, seek. What does seek mean? In the original language, it means to go after, to strive, to pursue, to desire, to aim at. Well, what should I be aiming at? Well, he says, aim first. First is a priority. The first thing I need to be aiming at, the thing I'm pursuing, the thing I desire is the, above everything else, it's the main thing. It's the main thing. Well, what is the main thing? I'm to see two things. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is simply where God rules. And I'm to seek his righteousness. What is righteousness? Very simple. Just being right with God. So Jesus says, you don't have to think Yes, you can plan, get your pantry full, and all those things work to provide the food, but don't make it a driving force of you. Clothes, yes, you need to have nice clothes, and I'll give you nice clothes, and all this is cars and furniture and homes and whatever. That's cool. Have all that stuff, but it can't be the driving force. No, you have to seek. You have to go after. You have to go after God. Well, how do I go after God first? How do I, how do, I do that? What, what is the main thing? Well, the number one main thing is to have a personal relationship with God. You see, the main thing means that if I have that relationship with God, then I'm going to be seeking his kingdom. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done, thy kingdom come. It's all about the kingdom of God, where God rules. So just ask yourself tonight, real quickly, right now, right now, is God ruling in your life? Is he center? If you take a look at your life, is God like on the side or in the center? That's all he means, primary. Lots of other stuff, but is he in the center? Next, listen to Chuck Swindoll. I think he says it well. If I am to seek first in my life God's kingdom and God's righteousness, then whatever else I ought to relate to that, everything else I do ought to relate to that goal. Each and every one of us has our own image or definition when it comes to the idea of living a life of faith. But how many of us take anxiety and worry into consideration when depicting that image? In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark taught us how our anxieties and fears are due to a lack of faith. In our study, we learned that whether big or small, our worries will keep us from wholly trusting in our Father. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Each of us gets excited from time to time when it comes to a new car or the latest and greatest gadget. Unfortunately, these things can sometimes get the best of us, redirect our focus. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us the importance of seeking first the righteousness of God and living for His kingdom. We'll learn that the more we seek our Father, the less we'll get tied up with the things of this world. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurting world a new hope he is given